0: My guest today is Lynn Schulte, who is a birth healing specialist and pelvic health physical therapist for over 30 years and founder of the Institute for Birth Healing, an educational platform for practitioners and Center for Birth Healing, her clinical practice. Lynn has been helping moms heal from all of the issues women experience after birth and is now teaching courses to body workers to help them do the same. She offers a certification process to help birth professionals become birth healing specialists. For a long time, I have been aspiring to have Lynn on the podcast, and our conversation actually got a little bit personal. I really wanted to learn about Lynn's journey in finding her out-of-the-box approach to pelvic health. So I asked her what were some signs and signals that helped encourage her to listen and develop a different approach? I also wanted to know things that surprised her along her journey, as well as some hardships that she had to overcome. And of course, with all of the people that Lynn helps heal from their birth experiences, I asked Lynn what her own birth experiences were like. Now, Lynn has two sons, and I was dying to know how she talks with them about intuition. So, buckle up. This was such a fun conversation. Let's get into it now. New and seasoned OTs are finding their calling in pelvic health. After all, what's more ADL than sex, peeing, and poop? But here's the question. What does it take to become a successful Fulfilled and thriving OT in pelvic health. How do you go from beginner to seasons and everything in between? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are inspired OTs. We are out of the box OTs. We are pelvic health OTs. I'm your host, Lindsay Vestal, and welcome to the OTs in Pelvic Health Podcast. Lynn, I am delighted, absolutely delighted to welcome you to
1: the OTs for Public Health podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh, Lindsay, thank you so much. I love, love, love any opportunity to chat, especially with OTs, because like you guys said, I am one, right? I'm an honorary one. (laughs) For
0: those who did not was not were not able to come to the OTs for Public Health Summit just this past August 2023, it was unanimous. We had a hundred attendees, and I think everyone in that room officially, officially declared Lynn an OT. So it is, it is legit. It
1: was I was saying it, I was as in my introduction to my talk. I'm like, I feel like I resonate with you guys more. <laughs> That I my, this work, this body of work that I've been putting out into the world has been so more well-received in the OT world than it has been in the PT world. And so that's why I was like, I resonate with you guys. I love you guys. I just, oh, it's such a breath of fresh air to be in a room with just all OTs. So <laughs> I love it.
0: Well, I have to say that's That is sort of the theme of our chat today, you know, when I thought, goodness, I have an hour to spend with Lynn. What should we talk about? And what kept coming to me as I was reflecting on our time together was something that I experienced back when I took a course with you in Brooklyn, and I think it was 2018, if I'm not mistaken. And for me, it was a sense of finding home with manual work. I often talk about feeling like uh, an OT and P.T.'s clothing, and Lynn, I did not feel that way, and that was the first time when I really thought there there is a possibility here. There is a a novel and refreshing approach that will enable me to to help my clients in a way that felt authentic for the lens that I felt so in touch with, which was the OT perspective. So that is really what I want to talk about with you today is kind of like how you discovered that.
1: But I want to ask you, Lindsay, what was it? What was it about that course that gave you that? I did not feel like an imposter.
0: The work that the words, the work, your presence, even the pelvic bowl exercise that we started off with, I immediately felt like I had come home. I knew I was being stretched out of my comfort zone, but that's why we go to courses. But there's a difference between being stretched outside your comfort zone and feeling like there's a home beak in there while you're being stretched. And your work... Really resonated with me that I could do this in a way that allowed me to use my intuition and things that I couldn't cognitively discuss in some of the other courses that I've been to, okay. um, and I immediately felt like this was that missing spice that I needed to fully help my clients in New York City.
1: Awesome, awesome! That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm I'm
0: I'm, I'm, just, I'm honored that our paths have continued to cross in so many ways. Yeah. And I'd love to, I'd love to start off just by learning a little bit about your journey to finding what I call your out of box approach to pelvic health. And Lynn, if you could try to put yourself back in, into the shoes when you first started off as a PT and, you know, you, you were there learning the basics. What signs and signals did you get along the way that really encouraged you to listen and to kind of like lean into this different approach?
1: Yeah, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> you know, uh, so just so people know, I um, back in the mid '90s, I took a course from Jerry Hesch on the pelvis and the sacroiliac joint, and that really transformed my work with low back pain and sacroiliac joint dysfunction. And I loved it, and it was just it just made so much sense to me, and and um, I really embrace it. And I think one of the gifts. That I have um, that um, I think has really, really spurred me in all these different directions is the ability to go to a course and immediately apply what I learned. You know, I, I I heard from other students in the class like, oh, I can't do this until I really got it, you know, and I'm like, I never ever have had that concept. It's like if I learn something new, I'm gonna go apply it and start using it and play with it and until I figure it out. and my clients are gonna be the guinea pigs, and I've never had any qualms about that, and that has allowed me to just immediately implement new concepts, new ideas, and just and just start playing with it. and I'll never forget, and I can still remember to this day the working. On a client's head, doing craniosacral therapy, having, and I'm not sure how long I had been doing the craniosacral like when I took the course, but there was a moment in time because I learned from Upledger and there was a 10-step protocol. And so you do the 10 steps in your sessions. But I actually gave myself permission that day, and I can remember it just still today, to do whatever I felt. <laughs> And instead of like following the box, you know, of doing one, two, three through 10, I just started kind of letting my hands feel what they were feeling and just start doing what was going to happen in my hands and on that head. And I think that was a big, you know, step of just like, okay, I understand these concepts. I've been doing it for a while. Now I'm going to do what comes up. comes naturally. So that was kind of another step that just gave me the freedom to kind of listen to the body and play with it. And then I think taking the visceral manipulation courses, and I, I tell this in my classes, like I remember learning them teaching local listening where you put your hand in the middle of the trunk person laying on their back and you put your hand in the middle and you listen to see where your hand gets pulled in. And I remember in class going, oh, yeah, right. I'm never going to feel that. That's what my head told me. But I set it aside and I put my hand to the body and I started getting pulled in. And those are you're being pulled into the fascial restrictions. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I can do it. This I can do this. Wow. So cool. So then, you know, that kind of opened me up to this idea of listening to the body. Where are there restrictions in the body? And, and so I think it's like all these little tidbits that I've picked up from different continuing education courses, even Jerry Hesch's course and him compressing the femur bone and helping, you know, and just kind of, and it was, it wasn't one of his main teaching points, but it was like, you know, at, at a lab and I was just around and he's like, look, the bones actually have a little bit of bend to them. And you know, if you can compress in, the bone actually bends a little bit. And that was my like blown away, like, wow, really? And and him applying that. I just took that concept and I just started playing with the body. Well, if it bends on one side, it should bend on the other side. And if it doesn't bend on one side and it does bend on the other side, well, what needs to happen to help it to bend more? And, and so it's kind of like all those concepts, I just kind of started taking and applying it to the body, to every person that was in front of me and just started exploring, well, if the left side does it, the right side should do it in the same way. And if it doesn't, what's causing it not to do it that way and really listening to the body and, and you know, then um Oh, then what happened to me is I'm working on the body and my hands are on the body. And I had been doing a lot of spiritual exploration and studying with a Hindu guru. Now I grew up Catholic, everybody. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm a Catholic girl. Um, but then I became a Presbyterian because there weren't in really any, there were only older people at Catholic churches. And I was a young 30 something, you know, 20 something person. So I was going Presbyterian. So I was always a, a, an explorer, I guess, of spirituality and the body. Um, and so I I was following this Hindu guru and, and really getting into that a little bit. And then all of a sudden I'm working on a body and my hands start floating up above the body. And I was like, what the heck's happening here? <laughs> um, and so then I was like, I just got curious with... All right, my hands—you are, you know, kind of like that Ouija board type of thing. My hands are just kind of floating above the body, and and I just started questioning, like, what's going on? What am I sensing? What am I feeling? What's what's what is happening here? And and my PT brain couldn't handle that because my PT brain is used to going to a course and learning something and then applying it to the body. Well. Something's starting to happen that that I didn't know what it was, and so I had to try to figure it out. So I went and I took a Reiki course, and and I'm like, okay, that's great, but yeah, that's not really it, you know. Like, so I got a little Reiki underneath me, but then I just started trusting it more, and it wouldn't always happen. And sometimes I would like blow past it and make sure put my hands on the body because I'm a PT, right? <laughs> And so, um, it, you know, it's just this evolution that started happening. And then, um, I remember when I moved to, uh, Boulder and I kind of had to start my practice all over again and I was just seeing postpartum clients and, um, I got on a different spiritual path. Ekin cars is, is the path I follow now. And then I started to hear the whispers coming through louder. And as I'm working on the body, I heard a, Hey, check this out. Look at this. And it like it, the, the whispers, the intuition, that inner wisdom, the, the it hits, whatever you want to call it to me, it's spirit talking to me and helping me. It was guiding me. And it was like, look at that rotation in the pelvis And then I got curious with it and I started figuring it out. And like, I just brought that curiosity to what I was seeing in the body and noticed that, oh, I did, you know, I did this. So I did the anterior posterior rotations, which I know, you know, did the spring testing for that. And that I cleared that, but it was still rotated. Huh? What else is it? And then I just started feeling it. And noticing the shear of the sacrum. And that's when I corrected that. And then I noticed that that pattern was gone. And then my client was like, oh, my back pain's gone. Cool. All right, great. And then starting to feel into those ischial bones and realizing, why is one ischial bone more out to the side than the other bone? What's that about? You know, and so all these little insights, these intuitive hits kept coming up and I discovered and discovered. And, and that's, I was doing intravaginal work one day on a client and I had just gotten done assessing her pelvic floor muscles. And, um, and the intuitive hit was check out her bladder. And I'm like, her bladder? How do I do that? Huh? Okay. So then I, you know, my fingers are pointed down towards the pelvic floor muscles. So I just turned my fingers up and felt that anterior wall. And I'm like, well, here's where the bladder is. And so I'm like, well, okay, if this is the urethra. Well, at the end of the urethra is the bladder. And so I started palpating that anterior vaginal wall. And then I noticed that there was a pattern in there. And I'm like, well, how, what do I do with this? And let me see if I can change this. And then I did. I made some changes in that tissue. And then I went back down and the muscles were different and I hadn't even touched them. It's like, wow. And so that it it was really all those intuitive hits that helped guide me to find these patterns in the body, a a new way to approach the body. I don't know why I always have my hand. I I mean, I, I do know why, but I don't know how it started, but I've always treated when I'm internally, my other outside hand is always on the bones of the pelvis and i think it was just intuitively i knew that that was going to be helpful and then i you know so it's just that bringing curiosity being open to intuition and then exploring what i was finding in the body and really being able to listen is really how i've kind of developed this this approach to the body that is just so fun <laughs> It's magical the way when you work with the body in this way, it really takes a lot of the, I have to figure it out. You know, I don't have to be, I I don't have to figure it out. The body will tell me if I listen.
0: What, what a beautiful, what a beautiful reflection and a beautiful journey. And there's kind of three themes that really pop out as I was listening to you. One is trust in self. Yes. The second is curiosity. And the third is play. Yes. I really see that interwoven in so much of what you shared. And then something else that really resonated with me, Lynn, is this idea that um, to look at our client and not be afraid to look at our client as a guinea pig. One of the things that I see a lot with myself and even the students I've had the privilege to support is this idea that... We have to walk in with a plan. We have to know what we're doing. And if we don't, we're somehow doing a disservice to our client. And I I just really want to thank you for being so transparent with sharing. Actually, no, we don't. Actually experimenting with a little bit of this course and this course and this course to find your voice. I think will ultimately serve the client the best because we all have our teachers and our mentors that are with us, and then we step into our own. And that's what a good mentor does. It they encourage us to find how we can express their wisdom in our current day practice with what who we are. And you really did that. And I loved also this you getting this ten step protocol going.
1: "Eh." (laughs) I that really resonates with me. This is what I teach with my students is like, I really want you all to understand the concepts I'm teaching, like understand the patterns, understand the the mobilizations and the techniques in the way they're taught and have that foundation and then go make it your own. Go do it in the way that the body needs it and the fact that you know um my the two biggest concepts that i teach is we need to always respect the tissues and never force anything to happen and to never create pain so if we're not creating pain and we're respecting the tissues we shouldn't be creating problems like we shouldn't be injuring our clients now a lot of the techniques taught in traditional PT and I'm not familiar with Ot traditional um, courses but in the PT world you know we're lear- we're taught mobilizations in this direction and mobilization here and you know like and how to do it and over the years I've I've let all that go. And I will engage the tissue and follow the tissue and let the tissue guide me in where it needs to go. Um, Because then I'm not imparting to the body, I'm letting the body guide me. And that I think is another way that we will not create problems in our clients. And so I think sometimes you know, sometimes, yes, we do need that grade three, grade four mobilization to maybe the glenohumeral joint, you know, to get increased range of motion. Maybe we don't. You know, so I think there's different ways that we can approach the body. And I have just found over the years that the more I let go of what I learned in PT school, now still keeping the foundation of that knowledge and the the um, physiology and the, arthrokinematics of the joints and understanding that, but listening to the body and letting the body guide me has served me so much better. Did you
0: know that the third annual OTs in Public Health Summit comes with 1.6 AOTA approved CEUs? Now, while the in-person event has sold out, you can still purchase the recordings for $100 off using the link that's in the show notes. We have a professional videography team coming in to capture every single moment of the summit. So it's the next best thing to being there. Pick up your $100 off tickets with 1.6 AOTA approved CEUs by going to the link in the show notes. That's that's really beautiful. And I, I think you got to probably what is going on in the back of a lot of our mind when we do have that self-doubt. And that is that concern that we may hurt our clients. So as long as we stay by those principles of respecting and not causing pain, I think there is a lot of room for curiosity and play wow. and trust. And that is when it gets fun. I heard you say that several times. And I think that's why, Lynn, it is so fun for you. And anyone who's taken a course who has you know been around you, we, you can sense that immediately. And I've even been treated by you. And I felt that in the treatment room, you know, so I think that that's that those are beautiful. And I will tell you that you just uh, went through my next two questions. Oh, did I? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You were, were we're working, we're working through it as you know, as intuition would lead. Yeah. So That's you know, fantastic. Um, but I'd love to know, I'd love to know next. Would you mind sharing something that surprised you along this journey of going from, you know, this PT with these protocols? And I could imagine you being a very stellar student and in in your courses to now coming to this side of your practice. Is there anything there that surprised you between that
1: in that journey? Oh Gosh, Um, what would be the surprise? I think the body is always surprising me. And and I think the biggest surprise is how much fun it is. <laughs> I um, early on in my career, I remember feeling that the quality of my day depended on how my clients were doing, and I'm like, "Oh, that's not good." You know, I'm either having a good day or a bad day based on how my clients are coming in. And early on, when we don't really know that much it was a lot of downer days and I knew intuitively like, Oh, this isn't good. I I need to change this. And I chose, I was doing temporary PT out in Seattle and I loved that because there was a, there was an end at the end of the, you know, like I was there for six weeks. Right. And so I only needed to work with these patients for six weeks and then I'm out of there. And I didn't have those patients coming back saying, I'm no better, I'm no better, I'm no better, right? Because that's that's depressing. That that's why I would be down at the end of the day. Um, and so I think from going from there to where I'm at today, I think that's the surprise, Lindsay. Is just the amount of joy and fun and, um, this, this approach. And, and I just, someone just left us a Google review saying her session was life changing. And, and it just, that blows me away still to this day, that it is like my students say that with this work and my clients say it with receiving this work, that it's life changing. And I had no idea that I would get to this point in my career and have the work that I'm doing be so impactful for so many people. So I think that's the biggest surprise because I didn't start, I I didn't, that wasn't my intention, right? Like along this journey, I just luckily found my way here. So, and I can think of so many, so many touch points that, that I know of, I'm sure there's so many
0: more. I mean, you've been doing, you know, the, the birth healing summit for a decade Mm -hmm. now, you know i think of that in such a fond regards to my own learning journey during covid you better believe i prioritized Absolutely. every single and i still do but that got me through so many so many darker days in covid was that your your summit overlapped with that and um there's been so many ways that you've really exemplified lifelong learning and bringing that information to to the forefront of not only clients but professionals because you run two two summits a year and so it's it is it's a privilege to, to be able to be on this side of it, having this conversation with you and kind of seeing, seeing parts of that. And along with that, along with thinking about that journey, Lynn, are there any hardships that you can reflect on that you kind of had to overcome?
1: Yeah. Um, So this was before the Institute was a thing. Um, I, I had put together, you know, I had been treating pregnancy and postpartum clients and I put together some videos and in an online course really it was my first attempt of doing an online course, but it was for moms. And, um, I took a, um, I, I paid for a year long mentorship with a coach, a huge investment, huge investment. Um, yeah, I think it was $25,000 for the year. Right. But I'm like, this is what I need to do. And it was marketing, it was figuring out how to market. And I went into it having these two videos, and that's what I wanted to market. But working with that coach, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent. I started doing other stuff, more women, more entrepreneurial empowerment, because I was working with the energy of the pelvic space. And I had gotten introduced to Tammy Lynn Kent's work and The Wild Feminine, and that lit a fire underneath me. And and I appreciate you saying a lifelong learner. I am, that is like, I'm always learning. I love to learn and will continue to learn till I die. I, I love this saying, we're either learning or dying. You know, we're either growing or dying. And I am all about growing. And uh, so taking her work and putting it into a program of, you know, The energetics of the pelvic space, because I've learned in the work that I was doing that just shifting someone's energy of her pelvic space was shifting their life. Again, life-changing sessions. And, you know, I I started applying what I was learning. I had already been doing it somewhat in my own way. And then Tammy Lynn came, came into my, my world and was like, oh, she kind of had the cookbook, the recipe for what I was doing, you know, and, and kind of fine-tuned what I was already doing. So it just melded beautifully with her. And um and so I was applying this in this coaching program, but I was kind of I was running two totally separate businesses and I couldn't figure out what I needed to do with that. And I spent probably year, year and a half struggling, trying to figure out what the heck am I supposed to do with this? And thank goodness a uh, Renee Gerber was a PT in Denver here. She took my online programming for women's empowerment that I the, the program that I put together for that. And I ended up talking to her in 2016. and I was like, Renee, I'm running two separate businesses here.' I, they're, they're, they're not meshing. you know, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And she's like, Lynn, you need to take this and teach it to your practitioners. Of what you know about over here, working with a pregnant postpartum client, and it was that light bulb moment. uh, Seriously, a year and a half of struggling, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with this? I know I have something here, and I'm not quite sure what it is or how I'm supposed to do it. And I spent so much more money reaching out to other people, trying to figure out, you know, and get the help and the support I needed to. Because I know that if if there's a block, it's within us. And we have to do our own work in order to be able to get to where we want to go sometimes. And so I was doing all this work on myself. And finally, it was her conversation where I just I kind of had this thing. I'm like, I feel like I need to teach what I know about pregnancy and postpartum to these two other practitioners. And she's like, Lynn, you need to take this and bring that to that. And that was the huge light bulb moment where I was like, "Ah!" oh, that's when the Institute for Birth Healing was born. But it, it did not come easy, everybody.
0: <laughs> Lynn, you know, you have helped so many of us as practitioners, as well as so many clients to have better recoveries postpartum. And I'm not sure if you've ever talked about this. And I'm, I'm so curious if you feel comfortable sharing. What was your birth experience
1: like? Oh, um, yeah. So me coming. Or so wait, the birth of my. I want to share both actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to share my myself as a baby being born. Um, I was born breech, and my dad. So I was born in '68. Everybody, don't calculate how old I am. <laughs> okay. But my dad was so proud of the fact that he was the first man to be in the delivery room for my brother, who was two years older. And so he said he was there when I was born. But And all I heard was he was born breach, uh, that I was born breach. I never asked how I was born. And um, and so um, I was at one of Tammy Lynn Kent's workshops, and we were talking about the energy of our birth and how it impacts how we show up in the world. And, um, and I said, Tammy, I know I was born breech. And she's like, work with a midwife. And I'm like, okay, so I get on the table with this midwife. And my body because we need to remember our bodies don't know time and space. So the cells of our body remember every single thing that we have experienced in this body from conception to today. And so I'm laying on the table and I'm like just thinking about my birth. And my left leg draws up, my knee draws up to my chest, and my right leg just as straight as an arrow out. And I'm like, I wonder if I was born feet first. And I was born with the right leg out and the left leg tucked up and in. And if you think about that energetically, the right leg is about putting ourselves out into the world. And the left leg is about receiving and being in the world and l- allowing in. And so I, it, it's kind of this push pull. And at that moment in time, we, I reprocess, and then I could feel my entire body tightened from my belly all the way up through my chest and i could feel the compression of the cervix on my body as i was coming out right and it was so incredibly powerful and then then i you know was able to uh connect the energy from my head down to my toes and i swear lindsay i connected into the universe of universal energy like it wasn't just the universe's energy but the energy of the universes of universes. Like it was so expansive and so incredibly powerful. I was like, holy cow, totally worth price of admission <laughs> just for that experience. But the important, the, the the interesting piece with that is that the right leg trying to put yourself out into the world, but the left leg holding me back I could think of um one one instance of me that's how I was showing up in the world. I wrote an article for Midwifery Today back in 2017 about what I was finding in the bones of the pelvis. I didn't put any contact information in that article. I just had my name. You know, no business name, no nothing, right? And so it's like there I am. I'm trying to get the word out, but I'm not making it easy for everybody. I'm holding myself back. And so it's so interesting how the energy of our birth shows up and how we're showing up in the world as well. Um, So another example of that, not for myself, but like a C-section, someone who was born via C-section, they always get themselves stuck and then look for someone to rescue them. And so there's this, this, this rescue, like I'm, I'm going to only do so much. And then I give up and I wait for someone to, to save me. And so when we can shift that energy of our birth, we can stop those patterns from happening. So, um, so that, that is my experience of being born in the world. Now, myself having my two boys, I have two boys now, my births were actually pretty good. Um, they were only seven and eight hours long. Um, I did not have, um, I, I did get a light narcotic with my first son, which I did not want, but you know, like when you're in that birth space, one thing that I did not do that I would totally do differently. I would have had a doula there. I had my partner and a friend who was a PT, but she had no experience with birth. And so it was kind of left to my, my own and, you know, my girlfriend's, um, her, uh, voice was in my head, Lynn, there's no metal for childbirth. Take the drugs (laughs) was her advice to me. And I remember getting to six centimeters with the first one. And, and I'm like, Oh my God, this is intense. And I know I still have to get to 10 and then push the baby out. And, you know, and so I, I gave in and I got a light narcotic where that's what they offered me. But I have to say, I was more afraid of getting an epidural and getting an epidural headache than, um, then yeah so i like did not want an epidural um and but i got the light narcotic and within 20 minutes he was born so i wished i would have had someone there to just kind of coach me over that and say you can do this and then i cuz then he was sleepy he didn't breastfeed well like just all the blah of of that decision but anyway um my second baby was born naturally with no no drugs and I I remember afterwards going, oh my god, that was hell. I'm getting an epidural if I ever get pregnant again. <laughs> um, he he was a little bit longer, but he came out with his arm up by his head. So that's, but yeah, both of my births were really good. And you know, I think a lot of that. I'm, I'm people are good. I know how to poop. <laughs> you know that that pooping, being able to effectively poop, is just like having a baby and pushing a baby on out. And and I'm I was good at that. So. Um, yeah, my births were not dramatic. And a lot of people I think might assume that because I do this work that I did have that experience. But now this is a, another little tidbit about me. And this is might stretch some of you that may not subscribe to this idea of past lives. But I do subscribe to past lives. And I believe I was OBGYNs in past lives. I remember after having my first baby going, <gasps> I need to be in this field. <laughs> I need to do something with birth. I want to do something, you know, like, and I was even thinking, do I become a midwife? Do I become an OBGYN? You know, like after my first baby was born, it lit something in me. Like I need to do something with birth. And I truly believe that that was from that influence maybe of a past life or something of being in, in birth, you know? Um, And little did I know, like I didn't, I did not start this until um, eight year, let's see. Yeah. So 18 years later, I started doing birth work, you know, really working with the pregnancy and postpartum population. So it was in 2008. I had my son in 2000. So um, or no, wait, eight years, eight years later is when I really started doing the, the birth work stuff. So, yeah. That
0: is phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I, I love the story too about your own experience um, uncovering the the birth,
1: uh, excuse me, the breach story. Um, yeah. I did confirm with my mom after that class. I go, mom, was I born feet first? And she's like, yes. And I go, was my right leg came out first? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> But I go. I know I did because that's what my body went into. So yeah, that's
0: incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I, Lynn, I have another. I have another personal question for you, which is, you know, you mentioned you have two sons. How uh-huh. do you talk about your son? I, he, I know they're older now, right? But what? but. I'll ask you this question and you can tap into whatever sort of part of the journey of parenthood, you know, really speaks to you. But how do you talk with your sons about intuition and kind of encouraging them to understand that a little bit
1: more? Yeah, well, it, it was funny because, you know, I am so much into the energy and and it was funny when my boys were younger growing up, they hated that word. They, you know, I'm like, you need to shift your energy, you know, and, and, and there's like, stop it, mom. We don't like that word. And they just like, oh my gosh. And so, oh my gosh, what was the word that I would use? You need to change your attitude. I think, you know, or, um, is what I started changing. I think it was attitude or yeah, I used a different word to like, okay, you just need to to shift. And I think it was attitude. I'm not remembering the word that came up, but they neither of them were really into that at all. Um, but what I what I tried to do as they were growing up, really, is to help them tune more into themselves. I think our, in our society we're so unembodied, and I I just you know like so how does your body feel after you ate that piece of chocolate cake? You know how do you feel? Um, you know, oh, it looks like you're really upset. What do you, what's, you know, what are you feeling? What are you noticing in your body? Like really trying to turn them inward and, and helping like my son, my oldest son, he, whenever he would get angry or upset, he'd need to move his body. And so I'd help him find ways to move his body. And, you know, even as a, I think he was 13, 14, 15 or something, it's 1130 at night. And he got really angry and he's like, mom, I need to go ride my bike. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, he rode his bike at 1130 at night, dark, you know, I'm like, oh my God, what are the neighbors going to think, you know, but I knew he needed to be outside and moving and that helped him to process. And so I just really kind of helped them to tune into what they were feeling and, and allowing that number one, because I think a lot of, I know my my upbringing i wasn't allowed to have emotions you know we just stuffed everything so i was really about trying to help my kids feel and process and um you know they they did not like the word energy so i tried to use um something else <laughs> to add, you know attitude or whatever it was that i used um but really like helping them and just guiding them you know i see myself as a coach you know, and helping them, coaching them through life. And it's helping them figure out, um, I always saw how, how responsible my boys were. And this is for those of you with young ones. And this is my number one tip that I give to all young parents, especially in that two, three, four year old stage. If you start getting into a power struggle with your kid, give them more responsibility. If you can see more responsibility when you give that to them, you see them grow an inch. They like grow, they they just step into that responsibility because as humans, we want that. And if we keep coddling our kids and and doing everything for them, then they don't figure out how to do it themselves. We I I would love parents to treat their kids like adults within the boundary of their age, you know, understanding. But treat a kid like an adult, but you know, keep in mind their their age. And if we do that, then our kids step up to being that. And, you know, I saw all of my kids' parents and the fear that they imparted on all their kids. And I never had that because my kids always stepped up to be the responsible person that they were because I saw that in them. And I see all these other parents who didn't see that in their kids and they don't show them that because our kids are going to show them, are going to show us what we see in them. And that's one thing I really had to check with my youngest one, especially because he's a Pisces and I would have him vacuum his room and he would go like, he would not do it in a row. Like there was like, I tried to like, honey, you need to do it in line. So you get every square inch of this room. And he would just, you know, vacuum it like a zigzag and, you know, whatever. I didn't tell him he was wrong. I just, okay, that's the way he's going to do it. And he'll figure it out eventually, you know? And so why do we have to, you know, shame our kids and tell them they're doing it wrong? And, you know, I tried to explain, you know, we got to show our kids how to do it, but he wasn't going to do that. He was going to do it his way. And so... I knew that about him, but I really had to, um, I had beliefs about him that weren't, were my own. And I really had to censor myself and not project that onto him because every single one that I had of him, like for, for instance, um, when he was ready for getting a cell phone, in my mind he was going to be so irresponsible he was going to lose it he you know oh i'm not sure i should get him a really nice phone maybe i'll give him a play phone and see if he can take care of it and then da, da, da. that was all in my head i i didn't follow through with that i got him a nice phone and he knew more where his phone was than i did <laughs> like, you know so i realized the projection that i had of my son in my head that i never verbalized to him And he never proved me right, right, of that that limitation that I saw in him. And so thank God and thank God I never verbalized it because then he would have. And so I really hope, you know, I think that's conscious parenting. That's being conscious of your own biases, beliefs and, um, you know, opinions about your kids And if you can hold them back and not project them onto your kid, then your kid is free to be the beautiful, amazing young men that my boys are today. And both of my boys have their own unique personalities, and I absolutely adore who they are. And I know that they are them true selves because they had the freedom to become that. And, and that requires a lot of us as parents to do our own work and to check our biases, check our beliefs about our kids and not project them onto them. It is so important, so, so important. I, I almost want to write a parenting book, Lindsay. I just think that <laughs> I have so many little bits of wisdom that I want to share, you know, with new parents and to just help these kids. Like, and here's another, oh, another huge piece of that is the control. Hmm. We all want to control our kids. And I, and you know, my sons were my greatest teachers because you know what, they wouldn't let me control them. (laughs) My youngest, especially he, I live in Colorado where it gets minus 30, you know, not minus, but it gets under 30 degrees often throughout the winter time. And he would never wear a coat. And so I, you know, at every day at the door, I would hold his coat and go, you know, here, take this to school. Now I don't want it. No, I don't want it. And I would have an argument with him. And finally, one day I'm like, why am I forcing him to do this? And I realized that it was because I didn't want to be seen as a bad parent. And so it was my fear of being, you know, a bad, seeing as a bad parent that was wanting me to control my kid. And you know what? Nobody said anything to me. I thought his teachers would think, you know, and maybe they did. But who cares? My kid had the autonomy. And you know what? There's natural consequence. <laughs> right? If the kid is cold enough, he will wear a jacket. <laughs> but you have to understand, he was in a t-shirt, short sleeve t-shirt and shorts when I sent him off to school every day in the wintertime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure those parents and teachers had a lot to say about me, but I never heard it. And you know what? I would say my, I choose, my kid is choosing that. So you got to stand strong in your own convictions, but really pay attention to why are you controlling your kid? What is it that you don't want to feel? And that's why I think we control because we don't want to feel something. And to me, it was, I didn't want to be embarrassed about what other parents would think. And if you let that go, you let your kid be free to be who they want to be. So control is such a huge, huge piece of, of our society. And I see it all the time with the clients laying on my table. Like they, they got to control everything. And sometimes that's a, a form of safety, feeling safe and secure. But a lot of times I just question my clients. and I was like, look, the next time you're trying to control someone, see what you're trying not to feel. And can you explore that more and see is it really worth the, the the battle? Because nobody likes being controlled, especially kids. So sorry, I will sign up for that book when it's coming out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this parenting book is as we as we do this podcast.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I've got a lot of
1: books I need to write, but
0: ugh. I have a quick question. Do, how do how do your boys
1: feel about the word energy now? I, you know what? That's a good question. I'll ask him at Thanksgiving yeah. time. When there you he, go. <laughs> again. Um, I don't think they're as opposed to it, but I don't, you know, they, they still like, it's so funny. My, my older son is in coding. Like he does all this coding and, and he's got his computer set up with all those lines. And I look at that as all Greek to me. And I, and I laugh at him. I'm like, you know what, what I see on that, that computer there is probably the same way you feel about the body. You know, because he goes, he loves that. And he goes, Mom, it's a puzzle. And I go, I think the body's a puzzle too. And I love that. But neither of my boys have zero interest in healthcare and and the body. And so that, you know, that's fine. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're both going into business. So. <laughs> You know, hearing you talk
0: about, uh, you know, how you felt with regarding your sons, uh, as well as what you thought people might think about you makes me think about an episode that came out right before before yours, Lynn, on the podcast. I think the title is something like, what if my client isn't ready to commit to pelvic health? And it was inspired by a mentorship session that I had with one of my students where she was projecting before any eval. That this person couldn't believe she was there, thought, what am I committing to? How many sessions do I need to come? Am I really ready for this? Am I really going to get better? Mm-hmm. And I think we've all been in that situation where we think that's what's that's the conversation in the head of the client across from us. And wow. so very similar to what you talked about here, we just kind of talked about, well, since we never really know, we never really know if that teacher is saying, can you believe Lynn's son doesn't have his jacket on? We're never really going to know. And so showing up as our best self with our best assumption is only going to be the breakthrough or become that session that we were putting our intention into. We want it to be a good session. And so if we assume anything else it can become anything else. And so very, very similar to what you just said. I I, I want to relate that back to, you know, being a health, public health practitioner or anyone that provides care. We will often create stories for any number of reasons. And so thank you for bringing this back to, to parenting because it can show up in so many aspects of our life. Absolutely,
1: Lindsay. And that actually the projection it, that's projecting onto someone else what we think or, you know, or we're assuming that this other person is thinking or feeling that way, actually really goes hand in hand with our shadow work. So the the information or the, the things that we believe about ourselves that we really don't want to know. So it's that hidden in that subconscious mind, projection and shadow work go hand in hand. And, and that's why it's so important for us to really know what's in our shadow. Um, You know, for me, the shadow was, what are other people going to think about me? Right? That's why I was trying to control my kid. That was the shadow piece. And luckily, I was able to identify the projection or the control, right? To me, the projection came across as control, Um, but the projection could be what we're projecting onto our clients. But if can we get curious with that and go underneath that, what's really at the bottom of that, what's the shadow piece within you that is causing you to have that projection? And when we can identify that and, and then heal it, we no longer have those projections. And that is what I love, love working with. And I cover, we go into that in depth in my birth healing intensive program. Um, it's all about helping clients or helping practitioners to show up more powerfully in their sessions so that we don't, so that we're aware of those projections or that we can stop projecting and, and be more solid and secure in who we are and, and, um, how we're showing up as that practitioner. Now this intensive, it's coming up in 2024, right, Lynn? Yes. Yes. The, um, the program will start February 1st. We're ending enrollment for that January 15th. So, um, you can sign up to join a, it's a nine month program that I've put together and it's really a deep dive into healing yourself. And as you're doing that, you're learning the skills to then use to help with your client's as well, so you'll be able to use these skills on yourself and with your clients, and it's it's um it's an, an it's it's a amazing program. I'm super excited about it. It's going to be done mainly online, and. Um, We'll, there will be weekly uh, videos, uh, educational pieces, units to go through, and then we'll meet together once a month for a group call to practice the skills that we learned that month. And then um, we will do a live two-day event at the end of it to kind of wrap up and practice the skills and working um, with each other hands-on. So you'll actually learn how to work with someone at a distance and also how to work with someone hands-on and helping them to shift The things that are being held in their body, the tissues that don't want to let go, the muscles that won't let go, there's usually something deeper being held in there. And in this program, I talk about the seven different things that could be causing that muscle to not want to let go or a blockage of energy that just won't let go. Like, how can we explore that? What could it be? Um, you you learn how to do all of that. And we also learn how to increase your intuition. You know, we talked about how I, how I allowed the intuition to guide me in, into finding all these things. Um, it's really about allowing their intuition to get stronger so that it can guide you more in your sessions. I think that is... Um, I don't think it's about going and learning more coursework, because if you just let your intuition guide you, it tells you what what needs to happen. So um, that's that's a huge, huge piece of it. It's also about developing really good therapeutic presence. Being, being that calm, centered um, person that a client can resonate off of. You know, how babies, babies resonate off of their mamas and can calm um, it, based on their mom. If mom is agitated, baby's going to be agitated. If mom's calm and centered, baby can then come to that. We as therapists need to offer that same presence so, our clients can find that within themselves. And so, we dive into all that. So, there's a ton of great stuff in that birth healing intensive program. But the projection is huge and so important. That sounds so incredibly comprehensive. And
0: I love that it's happening over nine months in yes. the sense that we're sort of giving, <laughs> giving birth to ourselves. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. And, uh, we go through so many ups and downs, I imagine, that nine month of really being able to to also process along with clients and in our parenthood and any other other relationships that we have and to come back to the group and share that and grow with that. It sounds yes. so thoughtful and um yes. Where can people find you? Where can they learn about? I know you've got many other programs besides this one coming up. Where can people learn more about
1: you? So instituteforbirthhealing.com is the website and there's a whole, uh, top menu for birth healing intensive is the nine month program that I was just talking about. So you can go there and learn more about that. Um, there is an application, um, you need to fill out to apply, to make sure that this program is a right fit for you. Um, and then all my live courses, I have online courses, live courses, um, all of that. I have podcasts, um, as well. Um, and, uh, we need to get you on mine, Lindsay. And, um, podcasts and blog posts and all of that is on the website. So fantastic. Well, I will include all of that in our show notes. And Lynn, I just really want to thank you
0: so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and just for, for really helping occupational therapy practitioners thrive and to feel at home. You've, you've always done that for me. And I know you do that for so many in our community. So it, we are so grateful for you.
1: Oh, thank you, Lindsay, so much. I'm so grateful for all that you do in leading OTs in pelvic health. It's, it's been amazing to watch your growth and journey over the years. Um, from when we met back in 2018, we've both been doing amazing things. So congratulations to you. And thank you for all the hard work that you put out into the world, too.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of OTs and Pelvic Health. If you haven't already, hop onto Facebook and join my group, OTs for Pelvic Health, where we have thousands of OTs at all stages of their pelvic health career journey. This is such an incredibly supportive community where I go live each and every week. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it to IG, Facebook, wherever you post your stuff, and be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode. This will help me to create in the future what you want to hear more of. Thanks again for listening to the OTs and Pelvic Health Podcast.